From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm Amanda Icone. We've talked about it several times before on this podcast. The accounting profession has struggled to welcome black and minority accountants. The number of CPAs from minority backgrounds is disproportionately low, and those numbers haven't shown much improvement in recent years. Still, the profession offers plenty of career options that go beyond public or corporate accounting. You could start your own business. And that was exactly the path that George Ozzie took. He's now the founder and CEO of Lease Query, which develops and sells lease accounting software. Ozzie, who is black, started the company, his second, around a decade ago. And last year, Deloitte ranked it as one of the 100 fastest growing tech companies. I spoke to Ozzie about what it's like being at the intersection of tech and accounting and about his experience as a black entrepreneur. To start, I wanted to know what it's like to be the head of such a fast-growing company. Well, it's, it's certainly surreal. Um, uh, you know, when, when we emerged on this journey, uh, I never in my wildest dreams thought the, the company would grow this quickly or grow this large. Uh, I knew it was, I knew we were onto something, right? Uh, because I knew the problem existed. It was a problem that I was solving for myself. And, uh, and I figured that, hey, if we had this problem as, you know, the company I worked for at the time, a Fortune 500 uh, company, uh, and it was an $8 billion uh, corporation. And I recognized that if we had this problem, then a lot of other companies would also have the problem, especially since they were making the, the rules for lease accounting a, a lot more complex. I wonder if, if you ever thought, you know, in high school or college, yes, I, I want to found and run a tech company. I mean, because that's, yes, it's a lease accounting company, but it's also a technology company, right? Was that always your goal? I mean... Well, no. Um, I, I think I have always had an entrepreneurial spirit, right, um, or a knack for solving problems, I should say. Uh, but I never really thought of starting a company. Uh, I will say that, especially as it relates to tech, as you just mentioned, I, I'm an accountant. Uh, and as, as an accountant, uh, I I'm practically allergic to technology. <laughs> and, uh, and what really happened in, in my life that, that changed that was, you know, my brother, he started a company uh, uh, and, and it was a tech company. And he showed me the inner workings of, okay, this is how you build a product. Right. This is exactly how it works. You need a designer. You need, you know, you need a, a, a QA person. You need a programmer. You know, you need a UI UX person. And, and that's what killed my fear of, of technology to begin with. I, I want to circle back in a minute. But but first, you know, as a black CEO, as a black accountant, why is it important for you to, to, to be talking to me today about your journey, your your career trajectory, your your own unique experience? It is, after all, a profession that has struggled to attract and support and promote um, candidates from diverse backgrounds. It, it remains today an overwhelmingly white and male-dominated profession. And I wonder, you know, why is it important to tell your story? Well, uh, I think it's important to tell my story because, you know, we, we, do, we do exist, right? Um, in, terms of, in terms of successful 
uh, African-American uh, entrepreneurs, right? Uh, it, we struggle a lot of times to raise money and to, to, to create awareness in general, you know, but, but we, we are out there, right? And, and it can be done. Um, I think also, I think it's, it's, it's now our responsibility to, to bring others along with us. There are things, it, it's funny, I, I, but uh, my sister happens to be a plastic surgeon. And I remember, you know, t- helping her with homework, right, and with calculus uh, when we were younger. And now she's a plastic surgeon. And I remember asking her one time, you know, what is it like to be, you know, damn near a god, right? To insert, you know, organs in, in people and make them, you know, whole again, you know? And she goes, you know, George, I- I'm learning every day, right? Like I'm, st- I'm always learning and always growing. And when I realize that, oh, wow, this, I have, a, a, I'm an expert in my field, is when I talk to someone who's outside the field, the things I take for granted, Right. So I, I relate that to being on, an entrepreneur because there's there's some things that I've gone through that I, I, I just take for granted. That I just know through my experience. And there's a, and that just just sitting down and having a 30 minute conversation with another another entrepreneur who's in the early stages could real I could impart a lot of knowledge, you know, to them because I've been there. So I, I want to circle back to pre launch of Lee's Query. I mean, how did you find accounting in the first place, George? I mean, what, what is your origin story? How, how did you discover? I mean, you, you've just mentioned that, that you have very um, successful and talented siblings, engineers, and, uh, and a plastic surgeon. I mean, what, how did you find accounting? Well, I was, I, believe it or not, I was actually the black sheep of the family, right? Uh, I was, I, I, in college, I ran the gamut when it comes to a major, what I wanted to do. And then I distinctly recall one day, one of my good friends, Aaron Pennington, he would always dress up on Thursdays and he would wear a tie and wear, you know, a button up shirt. And, uh, and I'd ask him, what are you, why are you dressed up? Like, that, that's an unusual outfit for a college, <laughs> for a college student. And, uh, and he goes, well, there's this thing called Beta Alpha Psi and uh, the, 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 these firms take us out to dinner. And I go, what? And, and he goes, yeah, we're doing, for instance, I'm going to Porterhouse Steakhouse right now. It's like Porterhouse. I mean, that's a huge steakhouse. That's one of the best steakhouses in, in Athens, Georgia. And I said, well, I want to eat too, right? <laughs> so I said, let me go check out this, uh, this thing, right? And, uh, and I go, and it's this accounting fraternity. And literally, the, the, the big law firms would come and recruit you uh, to take you to dinner. So I said, okay, let me take some of these classes and see what it's about. And I took uh, I took those classes and realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually good at this, and 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 it's interesting. And the best part was I would I was pretty much guaranteed a job out of college because my dad always said, George, you're not boomeranging me, right? You're not going to boomerang me. Once you leave, you're not coming back. And uh, I went to go work at a company called uh, uh, Porter Cattle Moore, which is now Whipfee. And what, what was your first job there like? I mean, and, and, and how did you find that firm? Well, they, they came to recruit at, at UGA. I really liked the firm because they were a smaller firm, regional firm, but they focused sp- primarily in banking, so uh, banks and insurance companies. Uh, so, so I figured I could get a lot of expertise there uh, quickly, right, and w- which I did. 
You mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation the problems. Talk about the challenges there and, and, and you know, how long were you working in that space that you thought, gosh, there's got to be a better way to track all these contracts and all these renewal terms? Like, when did that aha moment happen? Well, it happened in 2008, right? I, I went to go work in technical accounting and accounting research at this Fortune 500 company, right? So they, te- they took 10 of the leases and 10 out of 10 of them were wrong. Uh, and then they tested another 10, and 10 out of 10 of them were wrong. So the chief accounting officer tasked me with teaching all the controllers, because this was a global corporation, with teaching all the different controllers how to account for leases under 840, which was easy at the time. So uh, so I started to create this presentation. And I'm a, I'm a big, you know, show me, don't tell me. I started creating this very, very, you know, uh, this very comprehensive Excel spreadsheet that we would give to the controllers to use. Well, as I'm creating it, I'm like, well, wait a minute. The, there has to be software that does this because this is very simple. 840 is very simple accounting. It's essentially depreciation expense, right? It's depreciation accounting. Let me go around and look for the software and recommend that we, we purchase it. So I looked everywhere for the software, for software that solved the accounting problem. And what I found was there were solutions for lease management and lease administration, but there was nothing for lease accounting, right? Nothing for the accountants. My role there was, my true role there was technical accounting and accounting research. What that meant is I had to look at the EITF, the Emerging Issues Task Force, and determine, okay, what are the rules that the EITF is proposing? And so in that role, I knew that the boards were considering changing the rules for lease accounting, right? And making them more complex. So I was like, well, here, once again, the stars are aligned, right? The rules are very simple today. We're getting it wrong today. And there's no solution to help get it right today while it's easy. And, you know, the, I knew that the boards were considering changing it and making it more complex. So whenever that rules, these rules change, it'll be very difficult for companies to comply and Obviously, there's an inefficiency in the marketplace, so let's exploit it. I, I wonder if you could talk about some of the, the biggest challenges that you've faced in your career and in starting and launching a business. You mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation that one of the challenges for black entrepreneurs is getting funding. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if that was one of the biggest challenges that you faced, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. I mean, um, there are lots of hurdles no matter for a small for startups in general, but I, I wonder if you could talk about some of those that you, you encountered along the way. Yes, of, of course. Um, obviously, money is, is a big part of that, right? Um, and, and how do you fund this enterprise? And we, I, I did try to get funding in the beginning when the rules had not been changed yet, uh, but no one wants to build a company based on a rule that the government, based on an action, in fact, that the government has to take in the future. <laughs> right, uh, that was that was the big challenge that I faced, uh, and so I, I knew f- right from the right from the get go that I was probably not going to get funding for this. What I did do, though, I, I decided to start this company. Just to give you a timeline, I decided to start the company in March 2010. That was when I said, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to do this." Right? It was in March 2010, and the fir- but the first line of code was not written until September 2011. Right. So what did I do in those 18 months? A, I really got, I mean, obsessed with the problem. 
right? Lease accounting. I became a true expert on lease accounting. Another thing I did in March 2010 was, and this is, by the way, this is, I'm just telling you how I did this, right? This is crazy financial advice. This is terrible financial advice. I maxed out my 401k, right? And by maxed out, I mean I contributed as much as I could into my 401k, right? Reduced my burn, reduced my spend. I was spending $3,000 a month, uh, so $36,000 $36, a year after tax, right? Uh, and pumping everything I could into my 401k. And the intent was I borrowed from my 401k to fund my, once again, this is terrible financial advice. No one, <laughs> no one should ever say that George said to do this, <laughs> right? Um, and so I used my 401k as a funding vehicle uh, to fund operations of, of the business. And I wonder how you think about growing the diversity of your own team. I mean, how, how is that a priority for you? Is it something you feel like we're done and dusted with that. We are diverse. We continue to be diverse. We can continue to attract diversity. Or is that something that, that you as a company also have to think about and, and, and prioritize? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is it is something that we absolutely uh, prioritize here at, at Lee Query. We've grown now. I mean, we're, we're north of 300 people. And that diversity in, in not just thought, but in experience, in background, in, 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 in socioeconomic class, right, in race, it, it matters. And, I, and I'll tell you a very specific story. In 2020, right, when the Black Lives Matter movement was going on and there were all the, you know, the protests going on, at that point we had hit about, we, we had hit a number where we needed to start coming up with a parenting plan. And we sat down in a room, me and, you know, uh, our executives, we sat down in a room and we came up with what we thought was a fair plan for everyone. And we were about to release it when I asked myself, I was like, wait a minute, you know, here we are asking other CEOs to attempt to look at their blind sides, right? To at least see, is, do they have one? And I need, to, I need to do the same for myself, right? I need to do what we're asking others to do. And so I, I looked at everyone in the room that made, came up with our parenting plan and I was like, oh, okay. Straight black male, i.e. me, straight white male, my, um, my CRO, straight white male, our COO and president, and straight white female, our VP of HR. And I go, wow, we are missing a voice in this room for, I mean, the uh, LGBTQ community. And, and the thing is, I, I don't know anyone in that space within my close circle that I could feel comfortable enough with to say, hey, what do you think about this? But what we did was we reached out to a, a lady who's actually an investor in our company, uh, Lisa Calhoun uh, with Valor, because I knew that she had a network. And she put us in touch with four people. Uh, and so uh, we got on the phone for about two and a half hours. I mean, which was, it was a very long time. And we talked it over. And based on the feedback from that group, we scratched, completely scratched our parenting plan policy and came up with something that was that was brand new. So it's something that I'm very proud of and something that I can point to that says, hey, because of this, because of looking at our blind side and not not resting on saying, hey, I don't know anyone in this community, so I can't do anything about it. You know, actively going out and seeking those voices, you know, that's something that, that I'm proud of that we did, right, uh, as, as, a, as a leadership team. I, w- I wonder what other advice or suggestions you would give to other business leaders as, I mean, there continues to be focus and interest on 
you know, taking advantage of the strengths that diversity brings to a company. And I, it, but it continues to be a, a challenge. Um, and I just wonder if, you know, do you see others taking action that, that gives you hope? I mean, I can't speak for other establishments, right? Uh, I, I can't, I, I really can't. Um, but I, I, I do see, I see a lot of people say, you know, the little gestures don't matter. You know, the, the little gestures and the specific example I'll, I'll refer to was, you know, I mentioned that Juneteenth is now going to be a, a holiday for least query employees, right? We made that a holiday. And, and people are like, well, you know, that's cute. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, is it really moving the needle? And the way I look at it is, well, someone, uh, someone could, that, 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 does, that has the day off on Juneteenth could go and go, oh, I'm off today and talk to someone else. And they go, well, why are you off? And they go, because of Juneteenth. Well, what is Juneteenth, right? And it starts a conversation, right? I mean, so, so my point is th- those gestures, I- I'm never one to say someone's path is, my path is better than someone's path or what I'm doing is better than what anyone else is doing. I think incrementally, what, as long as people are trying and, and truly engaging and saying, hey, you know what, what can I really do? then the narrative is changing, right? Slowly, but, but surely, right? So something as simple as, hey, Juneteenth is, is a holiday for the company. You know, they have a conversation with their children, with their kids, or, or with a spouse, you know, and it gets something going. That was George Ozzy, the founder and CEO of the company Lease Query. And that's it for today's Talking Tax. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by Amanda Icone and David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. Thanks for listening. The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million, about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business. And these aren't crazy technical dives. They're interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxgirl.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.